Welcome to the Caitlin Hansen Show. If you haven't already downloaded the CEO.com app, go ahead and do that wherever you get your apps. It's available and it's totally free. Thanks for joining me today. I am joined by Gary Verone. Let me see if I can get this title right. BYU Associate Athletic Director for Student Athlete Experience, and you oversee the Built for Life program. Thanks so much for being here today. Thank you, Caitlin. So I'm sure you're wondering why I don't have any BYU gear on yet, and I've been hazed by it already by you and the crew here, so I'm being handed some swag as we speak. Does this make you a little more comfortable for the interview? What do you think? I, I love it. There you go. Okay. I mean, I don't know how long I can wear this before I get in trouble, but it's here with me, all right? So I've got the spirit right now. So what we're going to... What we're going to talk about today is the new NIL name, image, likeness rules in the NCAA. Can you give me a quick overview of what those new rules are? Yeah, so prior to July 1 of this year, student athletes were foreclosed from being able to use their name, image, likeness, or any kind of personal identifier to help market, brand, promote businesses, products, etc., just due to NCAA amateurism rules. And that all changed on July 1 of this year. And it's, it's been a wild couple of months so far. I can't imagine. I'm thinking back to when I was playing sports in college and wondering why wasn't this there then? So how did this new rule come to be that is actually the case now? You know, there was, there was an uprising, kind of a groundswell among student athletes for a while. And then California, being the progressive state that it is, passed a law back in end of September 2019 that would go into effect January 2023, theoretically, that would allow its student athletes across all universities to use their NIL to promote brand market, make money for themselves. They were the only students on a college campus foreclosed from doing so. And so a lot of states passed laws subsequent to California's law because they didn't want to be behind the eight ball and miss out on recruiting opportunities, competitive advantage, et cetera. So you had a series of states and other dominoes fall over the past 18 months or so. And the NCAA basically said, listen, There's too much going on here. There's too much disparity among different state laws, restrictions. Some states don't have a law in the books like Utah, for example. We have no state law uh, that speaks to this issue. So we're going to make things uniform across the board. So in June of this year, just a few weeks before the implementation date, we found out the entire NCAA association among all 50 states would be able to now be privy to NIL rule changes. So walk me through maybe an example of what this looks like. Say a football player at BYU is approached. How can their name, image, and likeness be used? And what does that look like for these students now? Yeah, I think most commonly we see small businesses typically reach out to student athletes and say, hey, we'd love for you to be face of our our company. We're a construction company or we're a startup in tech here. Uh, The Utah economy is so hot, as you know. And so a lot of small companies, mom and pop shops, will reach out and say, Hey, you know, Jared Hall or, or James MP, Tyler Algier, we want you to be the face and be a social media influencer or an ambassador for our company, help promote it, or come and do some events with us and work shoulder to shoulder in launching this product line, et cetera. So they'll work out the details between the company and the individual student athlete. And so far, we've had several dozen of these uh, NIL deals go through. The biggest one so far was, was the Built Bar. Uh, a deal that happened back in August. 
but we have some exciting stuff on the horizon as well. But it's typically engaged between the business and the student athlete. A lot of times um, they'll reach out to me as well and say, hey, can you connect me with a female athlete or an Olympic sport athlete or basketball athlete? And I'll help that facilitation. And then they take over from that point. And you oversee all of this. I want to talk about the built bar thing in just a second here, but let's take a step back. So this is obviously really beneficial for the companies reaching out to the athletes because they're getting all that promotion. But athletes are kind of entrepreneurs now. How is this benefiting the students specifically? Well, I think it's it's forcing their hand to grow into adulthood more so than what they learn in the classroom or on the field. And so we're teaching classes and providing education to them that supplements kind of what they're doing in the NIL space with financial literacy, branding, personal branding and self-awareness, um, you know, tax liability, things like that. So it's forced them to grow in these other spaces, which I actually think is beneficial when they leave college and go into the real world, professional or otherwise. And they say, you know what, I now have these tools and resources that I learned at BYU, thanks to Built for Life, the NIL program and the supplementary you know, education that we're giving them right now. So it just makes making them grow beyond being a 22, 23 year old kid and saying, no, I'm ready to tackle big, challenging things in the real world. Are there any counter arguments or downsides or concerns when it relates to this new law? You know, I'm a huge NIL advocate. I know Tom Homo, our athletic director is. We we want to be progressive in this space uh, within um, permissible rules and, and following our own policy, et cetera. But, you know, the only potential downside is if a young person gets taken advantage of. Unfortunately, there's a lot of charlatans out there, not just Utah, but across the country who want to take advantage and leverage the kind of semi or, or pseudo celebrity status of student athletes and get a lot of gain or benefit for themselves or for their company and not really compensate adequately back to the student athlete. So just making sure we try to teach our student athletes, do your due diligence, don't sign agreements without consulting professional experts, whether it's a tax expert or an attorney, someone that you trust, verify everything, you know, do your due diligence. And then hopefully the deal is right for you and for the company. But that's my concern is just individuals taking advantage of these, you know, great young people who are trying to, to make some money who are struggling as walk-ons, you know, maybe, and, and will enter in any deal basically to get a little bit of compensation when they probably deserve a lot more sometimes. Right. This is obviously a huge opportunity for that. I'm curious what your thoughts are as far as how is this going to affect teams? Do you think this puts a lot of the focus on individual success instead of the team success as a whole, taking maybe their attention away from actually the sport? You know, I think it's possible, depending on the culture and the institution. Uh, talking to our head football coach here, Kalani Sataki, a while back, before we even knew we'd be, as a state, entering this space, his his concern was, hey, how do we prevent the fracturing in the locker room, right, between the, the haves and the have-nots? And that was a, a realistic possibility. So he's worked a lot on the culture and just unifying everybody and then co communicating very well to the team our purpose in this space is to raise the bottom line. We want all 123 on our football roster to have legitimate and rich opportunities in the NIL space. Now, some might get more, but that's why the built deal was so critical is because Nick Greer, the CEO, offered it to everybody. And it was his idea. And he said, hey, just tutor me into what as to what I can do as a company 
and we want to go get it done. And that was really just living out Kalani's vision for the team. He wants everybody, because he loves all of them the same, to have you know rich opportunities in the space, like I said. And and so it's just dependent on the culture and the coach and you know the players. But our players were genuinely thrilled for the walk-ons that got you know offers through built to enter the I spells NIL space. And I've, I've talked to other programs across the country and they've told me, Gary, if our scholarship guys saw that with the walk-ons, we probably wouldn't have our scholarship guys on the team right now. Like it just wouldn't bode well for our culture. And so Kalani's done a phenomenal job and Tom's helped with this on the administrative front, just making sure that we have the right people and the right sentiments in place with values, et cetera, to make sure this won't hurt anybody. And even if somebody does take off and make, five or six figures, we're going to be happy for that person because we know the next person could be a walk-on, could be a third stringer. So there's just so much to learn in this space still that we just don't know where it's going to take us, but we're happy for everybody to land a deal. The football team, um, a lot of them landed the deal yesterday with this company called FTX Cryptocurrency, where 110 players earned $500 to help promote and market this, this startup cryptocurrency company. So fun things are happening all around right now. It's interesting. There are so many opportunities here because this rewards not just the best player on the team, maybe. Maybe if you have a huge Instagram following and you sit on the bench, these people are still going to want to sponsor you and get their brand and their company name out there. So it really does help, I guess, anyone, no matter what level of a star you are on the sports team, right? Absolutely. And I I knew very little. My background is legal and I knew very little about branding, but talking to all these branding professionals, they're telling me, yeah, it's going to be important depending on how many followers you have, but how you engage with those followers as well and what that relationship looks like. So you might have 10,000 followers, but if you're not engaging, you're not as attractive as somebody with 5,000 followers who is extremely engaging with his or her followers. So we're finding that to be the case as well. It's not just pure follower count. It's also the engagement and you know the facilitation of the relationships there. But I'm learning a ton in this branding space. Social media is obviously a huge part of it, but we're educating the athletes. It's not just about social media branding. It's everything you do in life contributes to your brand. And your brand isn't dictated by you or by your loved ones. It's by those who look to you and see you from an outside perspective. They determine your brand. So you want to make sure to shape that in the right way that way it helps you beyond college, even that dream job, you know, five, 10, 15 years from now. And we're wanting to create this pipeline where they want to give back in the future in the NIL space. So we know a lot of our athletes are going to be CEOs, C-suite level individuals, government leaders, researchers, uh, medical professionals, lawyers, et cetera. And we want all of them to feel celebrated now. That way they'd be more inclined with the next generation to say, yeah, I'm an attorney at this law firm. I want to enter NIL deals with the women's volleyball team, for example. So we're trying to create a natural pipeline as well to help them grow as, as humans, but also give back in the NIL space. Let's go back and talk specifically about Built for Life and also how is this new law impacting BYU specifically, which is obviously where you are, and then Utah as a whole. Well, Built for Life was really started due to two kind of critical um, moments in time. One was the passage of the California bill, like I mentioned back in fall of 2019, that put everybody on notice that this was going to happen at some point in the future. We just didn't know when it would hit here at Utah or BYU specifically. The second was 
having a conversation with our head football coach again, Kalani Sataki, and him bringing a small group in and saying, hey, I need you guys to enhance student-athlete experience from recruiting to touch points while they're here, helping with retention, with fit issues. We want to be the best destination for student-athlete experience. So those two moments kind of led to the uh, the genesis of the Built for Life program. And the co-founder, Billy Nixon, and myself worked for well over a year developing it. We had no idea what the name would be or when it would be launched officially. But we earlier this spring launched a beta test for Built for Life. It was very successful with the football program. Kalani loved it. And so we rolled it out to administration and said, hey, we think we have a solution here that can be applied across all 21 sports. It's for everybody. It's going to help minority student-athletes, female student-athletes, our male student-athletes. And Tom, just being as, as outstanding as he is, said, yeah, I love the idea. We finally have a universal student-athlete development program with the backdrop of NIL being here. I came out of compliance, and he said, you know what? I would like for you to run this program for us. I said, absolutely. So I started in June, just before the NIL rule changed. Um, being here in Utah is, is super helpful because a lot of places across the country, as an institution, you can't facilitate or even connect a play, a student athlete with a business just because your state law restricts it. And so we can do that here, given we have no state law, or we're just following our, our BYU institutional policy. But what's funny is that we're finding a lot of these states that were trying to be early to the game actually shot themselves in the foot because they put restrictions in place, not knowing the NCAA was going to move on this back in June. And now we're actually ahead of the game in a way. And I've spoken to a lot of schools across the country who are actually trying to change their state laws because of places like Utah and a handful of others who don't have restrictions on the books. And we can do a lot more than they can just given the individual state law. So we, we love our Utah legislature and Governor Cox and Governor Herbert's a good friend of ours as well. And just everything that they've done to make the economy so strong here, which has really helped to facilitate a lot of these NIL opportunities. So right now, this is only an interim ruling. It's not the final ruling yet. Do you think this is a permanent change or do you have any insight to how you think it might uh, change a little bit in the future? I think we're past the point of returning to anything. Um, I think either the NCAA is going to say this is a permanent set of rules. We're transitioning it from an interim to permanent or the federal government will have to step in. And there is some appetite at the federal level in Congress with a few senators specifically, I'm thinking of Blumenthal and, and Booker, who want to pass federal legislation. But I don't know if that's ever going to happen. So I think the NCAA will have to say, listen, just go with your state laws. We're, we're kind of out of the game and out of the business now. As long as you know a couple of things are being followed, we're, we're not going to be monitoring this moving forward. So it'll be interesting to see over the next handful of years how states adjust and pivot based on what they currently have on the books or what they don't have to see if they go into the space. I'm hoping that Utah, just being a friend of, of the three FBS schools here, Utah, Utah State, and BYU, won't do anything, won't do anything knee-jerk especially, and that they'll let institutions kind of govern themselves in the space. Very cool. I'm curious how the integration has been with the athletes. How is everyone receiving these new rules? And I mean, I guess one way to find out how well this is going and the creativity behind it is to follow all these athletes on social media and see what they're up to. Yeah, the reception's been very warm by the student athletes, by the coaches. Like I said, 
we've presented ourselves as being NIL advocates and communicated that to our student athletes. We want them to land deals. We want them to be successful. We want them to network with these companies and hopefully roll these into internship and mentoring opportunities as well. So we don't just, we're not focused exclusively on NIL. It's much more broad than that, but we know how important NIL is right now and having the number one regional economy in the country in our backyard, according to the Millican Institute, we're trying to leverage those relationships. And now that we're going into the big 12 conference, that's going to make BYU more attractive to a lot more people. And so we're trying to expand that footprint. And we love that Utah has enough room for all schools to survive in the space. I mean, to some small degree, we're competing with each other, but I would love for Utah to be successful in Utah state and Weber state and, and Dixie down in St. George. Like there's enough interest and appetite from businesses that I think help all of our student athletes. And as we grow collectively, we're better off as individual institutions as well. Well, Gary, I've got to say that I'm having a little bit of FOMO from my time in college. I didn't have this opportunity. I mean, just think of all the benefits of this. Kids are being able to make money while they're in college and focusing on playing sports and also maybe pay back some student debts and prepare for their future. I think this is an overall really beneficial thing. And I really appreciate your expertise in joining me today. Thank you so much, Caitlin. Appreciate your time. And thanks for joining me today. I'm Caitlin Hansen. We'll see you next time.